Hello and welcome back to the Five Banner Banter Podcast, the 2022-23 Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Evan Gerke, joined alongside my co-beat reporters, Bradley O'Hulin and Emma Pollitz. How are you guys doing today? I'm great, Evan. How are you? I'm wonderful. Also doing pretty well. This is great. I spent a lot of days, a lot of the day watching buses drive by and hoping they're good buses that give good interviews. So... And you said, uh, which one was the most charismatic? The seven. The seven was my favorite today. Um, really, really helped out. I had to go to on-camera presence, I thought. Mm. Um, so I was excited for that. I also bowled pretty well today. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Um, I bowled a 126, I think, mm. which um, we, we had a little competition across lanes. And it was 3v2, so it was a little unfair. But we beat that team by exactly 126 points. Nice. So basically, yeah, it yeah. was it was on me. Um but we're we're getting ready to start league playing in my bowling class soon. So. Oh, nice! And you said next week is when you take off the bumpers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, 126, now, pretty good. Now Matt Seabury, uh, one of our uh, women's podcast, yeah, hosts, check out the the payoff podcast. Yeah, um, he is in that class with me. He could really use some bumpers. I will say that. All right. Well, maybe next time we'll get him on mic, and you guys can settle your beef. Next time, next podcast recorded live at the bowling alley. Right during great my class. acoustics, <laughs> that would be a great environment. I'm not even gonna lie. Just in the background, <laughs> listening to the like on-screen animation of a strike. <laughs> There's some good ones. Um, oh yeah, we had we had a disco theme last time we were bowling, so there was some like dancing and stuff. It was mm. fun. Speaking of going dancing, guys, it's cause... January. <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> early for that. Yeah, but they gotta they gotta get on the path. They gotta okay. get on the road. Yes, they are. Uh, so back to basketball. Great segue, Bradley. Thanks. We are back for episode two, uh, recapping last week and previewing this week, a.k.a. Purdue week. Uh, sorry, Maryland. We're not going to really talk about that game that much, except for maybe a little bit in the preview because it's just not as exciting. Um, but first, let's recap last week. Uh, Indiana had Minnesota and Ohio State. Went 2-0 once again, now on a five-game winning streak. Um, to start with that Minnesota loss, they went up to the barn uh, it was a little scary. They never really pulled away as much as they probably should have, considering Minnesota's at the bottom of the Big uh, Big Ten was missing two of their better players. But they came out with a win. Um, what did you guys take out of that, and does the close win at Minnesota scare you? It doesn't scare me looking back on it. I was definitely scared at the time, and it was not, not at all a fun game to watch, I'm not going to lie, um, until the last few possessions when Indiana executed really well um, pretty much on all ends but I mean it, it was weird going into it because all signs were pointing to Indiana especially with Mich- or sorry Minnesota being really understaffed and Indiana was just on an absolute kick at that point still are right now arguably but um a win is a win you know it, it's it's fine looking back on it. I don't think there was anything too concerning, like fundamentally about it, as opposed to like the Penn State game. That still is like, hope hopefully they fixed everything that went wrong there. But like nothing against Minnesota really concerns me. Like looking back on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I w- I would agree for the most part. Um, it was not a fun game, but it's just gonna be kind of remembered as a a road win which is even against Minnesota is, is always good to, to get. It's hard for Indiana get, to get wins up there, although they've won, I think, six straight in that series now. Um, but they're always close games, and 
anytime you can go on the road in the Big Ten, and even if you win by one point in a 26 to 25 game, I think you're going to take that. Um, and like you said, I, I wouldn't take too much out of it. I don't think there are any fundamental issues. I think it was just one of those days where the shots really weren't falling and um, you kind of had to res- resort to winning another way. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I mean, if you're a good team, good teams win their ugly games. They win their clunkers. That was an all-time clunker for Indiana, and they got away, uh, which historically they often don't. That's totally a game they drop, and it leaves you scratching your head, and they found a way to win. And then the next game pretty much erased any doubts. Um, That's the thing, you know, do we take much from that? Probably not, because the next thing they did was came back home and kind of walloped Ohio State. And so I think you've kind of looked back at that. wasn't their best performance. You didn't have Mike Woodson out there as he was recovering from COVID. So obviously there are certainly things you can point to, certain weaknesses that weren't so great. But all in all, I don't think you can be too upset with it if you're a fan. Yeah, I think Woodson being missing hurts Indiana at least a little bit. Um, You know, that's that's the guy who's – making all the decisions for the most part is coaching your team. And, you know, I know there's a lot of kind of uh, Twitter animosity towards you see a Roseman after that game. Well, not after the game. That was more during the game. Cause after the game, everyone loved him. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a hard job to do. Even when you're an assistant coach to step in and take on full responsibility like that on a relatively short notice. I think Trey said afterwards, they found out that morning. Um, so it's not like he had a full time to prepare and it's not like he's been doing this before. It's there, there's an adjustment level that you need to be coaching in the big 10. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, you got, you got him back Saturday and the team looked a lot better. I don't know if that's really a correlation because they've also was his coach and they lost to Penn state. Um, but it's notable at the very least that they struggled without him on the bench. Yeah, and just to add on to that a little bit, I think it was most obvious in the substitution patterns at like the end of the game, maybe last 10 minutes of the second half, people were definitely wanting Malik Renew to come back in because he had a great first half and then wasn't really present at all in the second, Um, which, again, it, it all worked out. And thankfully, when you are a head coach with Trace Jackson Davis on your team, you don't have to worry as much about a ton of drawn-up offense because he definitely did his thing at Minnesota. He went for 25-21, and 21, I think. So it's always good news when he's playing well, and that I'm sure helps you out as an acting head coach in that position. Yeah, I mean, Trace has won back-to-back um, Player of the Week awards yeah. now. Yeah. Indiana almost swept. Mackenzie Holmes won co-Big Ten Player of the Week. Uh, Yarda Garzon won Freshman of the Week. Hutch Fino won Freshman of the Week. Jackson Davis won co-Player of the Week. It was just a couple um, couple rivals away from an All-Indiana uh, scoreboard there for the Big Ten. You got Caitlin Clark and Zach Eady in the way, which is that's oddly parallel. On may, both maybe sides. the the two <laughs> least liked players for each of I, I each of those teams' fan bases. Yeah, and probably Big Ten players of the year on both sides. I don't know about Caitlin Clark this year. Oh, really? I think if 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 I'm voting right now, I think Mackenzie Holmes is my vote, and maybe that's biased because I'm not watching that many that much of That's you know other big 10 teams though. but Mackenzie Holmes has been incredible this year I would agree and you can hear a lot more about her on the payoff podcast <laughs> where I think um I'm assuming Matt Seabury had some very hot takes about Caitlin Clark and how even though she's averaging five billion points she's actually a fraud mm-hmm. allegedly he also had a hot take on Zach Eady yeah but I also think he has hot takes on St. Olaf's College in <laughs> Minnesota so 
I think Matt Sabre can give you a hot take on just about anything. That's fair. And you know what? He's a good guy. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just needs to cool off a little bit. Yeah. Matt, famed wild card. Mm-hmm. But circling back to, you know, the, the thing we're here to talk about. Um, is it not Mackenzie Holmes? Is this not the Mackenzie Holmes podcast? This is the most on track, off track that we've been, though. Like, That's it's true. Indiana basketball. Yeah. No, that you're absolutely. That's I could talk fair. about Mackenzie Holmes all day. Right. I'm more thinking about the seven people who are listening to this really need to be well informed. I'm kidding, guys. Let's not <laughs> let's not get too dark here. Uh, but so going off of that Minnesota game, I still felt personally like going to the Ohio State game that they still had a decent shot to win. I wasn't too rattled. Um, early on in the Ohio State game, I remember feeling a sense of you know this could swing one way or the other. And it very much did. How did how did you guys feel about how that all unfolded? Yeah, it it really was one way swing. That wasn't really a sentence. English is hard. English <laughs> it's, is hard. It's not been a good speaking. It was day a one way swing. You're yes. Not wrong. Um. I mean, it was a seventeen zero run at its longest. It was fifteen zero going to half, and then Trey yeah. scored another two points coming out of it. And they did everything during that run that allowed them to win that whole game. Uh, the lead never got back below 11 after that run. It was pretty much around the 14 to 16 range that whole time. And the things that allowed them to win all game were the things they did during that run. It was it was Jalen Hutchifito hitting a three-pointer. It was Trace Jackson Davis dunking. It was them stealing the ball and finding, dishing in pretty impressive passes to people for, for easy baskets. It's really the recipe that you need all season to be successful is what they did on that stretch. And it, Ohio state was rattled. Assembly hall was rattled. So rattled that a bar fell out of the jumbotron. Look, it's oh my fine. God. It's fine. Workers comp is a thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, apparently Holtman was told during the game that it weighed 10 to 15 pounds. It did not look like it weighed 10 to 15 the pounds. The email release said one pound. Yeah. I think that's, inches. yeah. I mean, the, the ref did not put any, effort into picking it off the ground when I was watching him. So I don't think it was, I think that was a little bit dramatic. And we're not physics majors though. So we don't know about, you know, the impact it would have had. What was the terminal velocity of the bar that fell from assembly halls, jumbo drive. All I'm saying is like, if a penny fell from that high up and doinked me on the head, I'd like that hurt. It would hurt, but it wouldn't like do damage. I don't know. I think it could hurt. Look, I'm glad that no one ended up getting hit and no one ended up getting hurt, but. All right. We're going to test it out. Uh, uh, later this week, Bradley and I are going to go to Assembly Hall. I'm going to climb up to the rafters. Right. With throw a wrench. penny at your head. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll start with the penny and we'll work up. No, that's that. fair. Okay. I don't have a lot more brain cells to lose, so no. I'm, I'm playing with house money. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I completely agree with you, though. The, that, I mean, as, uh, Evan, was it you who wrote about the microcosm? The, I did. Great word, microcosm. It is a good word. You've used that in the story earlier this I year. I did, yeah. I was I was looking for for stories to um, hyperlink and what I wrote yesterday, and I saw microcosm in one of you. I think it was the Penn State loss. Yeah, um, the mental mistakes. Yeah, so maybe every story should just throw the word microcosm in there. We could definitely make Although, that yeah, yeah. I don't know what the word microcosm means, but I'll sh- yeah. Jalen Hutchifino had a nasty microcosm <laughs> on his way to the basket. Jalen Hutchifino actually was apparently sick that entire yeah. game. By the way, for the flu week. game, not the yeah. flu. He had a stomach stomach bump. flu. Hutchifino food poisoning game, which yeah. actually, according to the myth, 
That's what Jordan really had was a food poisoning game. Right. So right. maybe maybe it was a flu was, game for Jalen Hutchinson. It was from pizza too, wasn't it? I don't know. I mean, allegedly Michael Jordan yeah. allegedly like coughed on a pizza so that no one else could have any of it. And <laughs> no, granted, I'm not an expert on germ theory, but if you expel, you know, fluid from your lungs onto something and then consume it. I'm not saying Michael Jordan gave himself the flu. <laughs> anyway, I feel like that that like the the PEMDAS of that shouldn't work. <laughs> Look, we already talking about microcut. You cannot bring math into this. But we also were talking about terminal velocity, yeah. so that's true. This is just a lot of us, us being out of our depth, arguably with things including Indiana basketball. Yeah, but Huchifino, uh, great game, horrifically ill. That's so dope. Um, it just. You know, I wrote about this in my column afterward. It feels like Indiana is kind of figuring it out. Like when one player isn't there, either just not playing well on the court or literally is unable to play a la, you know, Jordan Geronimo and, of course, Xavier Johnson, they're finding ways to win, which historically they would kind of sometimes find ways to win, but a lot of times find ways to lose. And I think that's got to be a source of optimism moving forward is that you don't necessarily feel like every night you're just praying that Trace gets to 35. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, sometimes gets close. Yeah, but. I was gonna say. I feel like at this point, the way Indiana is, is working is Trace is gonna get his twenty and ten. That's what he's averaging all year. That's what he's getting most games, if not more. And then after that, obviously, whatever extra you get from Trace is great. And then like one other player needs to have like a a really good night. Like we're gonna write about this guy kind of night. Um, Jalen had that against Ohio State, and arguably so did Caleb Banks. Um, obviously contributed a lot less than Jalen but was still really important. And if you get that every night where it's, oh, you're, you're a star player, you, you had a player who played like a star, not necessarily your star player, and then you have maybe even a, a, a almost a tertiary um, good game from someone who hasn't you know had the best season, it's going to be hard to beat Indiana. A lot of games on the way out. You're absolutely right. Uh, now, granted, there are a couple teams probably on the horizon who have pretty strong cases for why that might happen. Um, you know, it's easy to get swept up in it, but Minnesota and Ohio State, uh, both pretty far to the bottom of the Big Ten. Now, you could argue Ohio State is more talented than that, but I suppose if I'm going to play devil's advocate or um, sort of present the other side why fans would want to be cautious is Indiana has caught a pretty solid streak of teams, and they are about to enter a slightly rougher patch. Is there anything more you guys wanted to touch on with what we saw this last week uh, before we look ahead to what we've got coming up. I mean, I think for the most part, what we saw in Minnesota and Ohio State was pretty encouraging. Seeing Indiana um, come out with the win at Minnesota after, like I think you said this earlier, Bradley, they they wouldn't have won that game as recently as a year ago. Just being able to execute down the stretch and – um come out with that was huge and then also Ohio State like it, it was a good game it was honestly similar to Michigan State other than the last five minutes of the first half because Indiana and Ohio State um each scored 40 points in the second half so it was completely even but obviously it was very lopsided given that huge run so seeing them being able to piece together something like that and then again not give it up, which was an issue at one point two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm encouraged. And like you said, Trace is going to get his 20 and 10. And that's 
it, it should be a given at this point for an All-American, but again, I, he was injured before, so like the Arizona-Kansas games weren't really at that level, but I think he is now, and yeah, you're seeing other players step up. Um, uh, other people are just playing their roles really well, I think. I think they've really settled into that, so. So now we're moving forward, looking ahead to this week. Um, obviously, as everyone is talking about, it is Purdue week. Um, the big bad Boilermakers come to town on Saturday. They will be number one for the first time in the history of the rivalry. Oh. Um, which, because they were number one for the first time ever last year, I'm pretty sure. Oh. Um, but Purdue has only ever been as high as number two when they faced Indiana. This will also be the first time the teams have been ranked when they played each other uh, since 2016. Indiana won that one. I think they were number 22 and Purdue was number 17. And that was the last win before that long losing streak until the Rob shot last season. Rivalry is also tied at 67 all time. Um, so it's going to be a fascinating game. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the environment in Assembly Hall. They've got the red out going on. If you're wearing or if you go into the game, make sure you wear red. Um, similar to the white out for the UNC game, except this time the other Indiana color. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of excitement. It's all around Bloomington. But before we talk about that one, we do have to mention um, they are playing Maryland on Tuesday, which will probably be later in the day after this pod goes up. Maryland is good at home. Um, they haven't lost yet in the Big Ten. Their only loss at home this season comes to UCLA, who is also having a really good season. I'm a little worried about that one, if I'm being honest. Um, you've got Purdue on the horizon. If you're Indiana, you you can easily overlook Maryland and be like, oh, it's let's let's focus on Purdue. We talked about, or Emma, you wrote about how Indiana kind of got through the trap game in Minnesota. This feels like an even even more of a trap game because it's easy to overlook and Maryland is better. Yeah, it's – oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to – is it a trap game or is it just – a hard road game against a pretty solid team that happens to come before Purdue. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say, I feel like there's two different kinds of trap games, and the Minnesota one comes after a, you know, a really good winning streak, and it's just kind of a test of, like, if you can keep that up. Obviously, we're still in the same position now, but this is the one where – they're not going to say it, but everyone's looking ahead to Saturday. Like, <laughs> clearly, you, you can't not think about that. So, I am, like, I could see Indiana losing. Like, there's a very good chance. But I'm not worried about it because I don't think it would be a bad loss. I, I think it would be because things like this just happen. And Maryland is nearly undefeated at home. So, I don't think that it would be concerning. It would just be disappointing. But I, I don't think they're going to lose, but we'll see. I'd also just say, like, winning six games in the Big Ten in a row is so hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's yes. that's part of it. I honestly think if Indiana had a two-game losing streak, like if they or even had lost to Minnesota and had won against Ohio State, I'd be less concerned. But you've, you've got to win now a six-straight Big Ten game. Teams are learning how to beat you, um, and it's going to be a lot harder. And... Yeah, I mean that's 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 really my point is that six win streaks are hard. No, I don't disagree, and I know and I understand that like statistically speaking, there is no reason why simply having won five games, you know, would guarantee that IU would lose this one. I get it, but these things tend to bear themselves out. It is hard to put back 
you know, together over and over again. You could argue IU got away with one against Minnesota. Of course, you could argue that some teams got away with one against IU. But the point is, it's hard to pile these things together. And Tuesday late at night on the road, I think at time of recording, IU is favored by a bucket and two points, which is essentially a pick em. So if you're getting a pick em, the home team is usually a good bet. Probability has no memory and all that. I know theoretically they have just as good of a chance winning if they had a zero win streak as a five game win streak, but it, it's going to be a tough game. I think. I think it's that, also a nine o'clock tip. You're traveling pretty far. Oh my gosh! Again? Yeah. Are no. you excited to cover a game at nine o'clock and finish working at one a.m.? Yeah. I, I'm I think turning in my column at halftime. However much I have, <laughs> can I just write words? like a generic preview with, or recap with a bunch of X's in it, right. and just change the numbers as soon as the game ends, and like do like an AI generated right? thing? Yeah, <laughs> we've had we've had Ask conversations Chad GDV. about that. Yeah. <laughs> can you write an Indiana basketball story about them? Well, I'll just do both winning and losing at Maryland. Um, throw some names in there of who had the best performance and. That'll be the article. I think that it would work. I will admit that my roommate the other day showed me an AI, and we did look up Race Thompson, and it gave a two-paragraph answer of Race Thompson um, biography information, so it probably knows what it's talking about. Was it correct? Yeah, it was all correct. Other other than it's saying that he transferred to Colorado, but that was it. (laughs) It's a near miss. Yeah, I mean... The rest was right. Colorado returning to Indiana for a fourth season... Basically the same Sixth thing. Sixth season? Well, he returned. Okay, fifth season because he returned last year. No, for sure, for sure. Point <laughs> is, we're not obsolete yet. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I am. We, I clearly, barely, we know more than the AI I guys. I barely have a leg up on the machines as it is. The point is, um, if Indiana loses to Maryland, it I think it increases their chances of winning on Saturday. So. Just like in terms of fine tuning things. Um, what was the Matt Painter quote he said after beating Michigan State about like you learn more from close wins than you do from losses? Really? It was very strange. I I think it's completely wrong. Mm. And it's it was something along the lines of like oh when you when you lose when you lose a game like you're just upset and you you whatever. But when you when you win a close one you you take lessons out of it and you learn how to do it differently next time. I and guess you can say that when you've lost one game this season and it was to Rutgers so like everyone yeah knew that was coming. I, and also you <laughs> beat Michigan State by one I yeah. believe one or two in Michigan State and then you beat up on them in, in East well, Lansing because Zach Eady is tall yep. and okay. big. Yeah, you can't forget the big part of the tall. No, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I kind of relate. Personally, I learned nothing from my failures. <laughs> Both of you to assume I have any failures. Nobody checked any. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> fact-checked me on that. Mm-hmm. No, I think Maryland will be tough. Um, Jameer Young, their guard, uh, is averaging 16 points per game, which is eighth in the Big Ten. He also gets to the line a lot, which is interesting as a guard. Like, it makes sense when Trace is getting there because— Or, or when Zach Eady is. Or when Zach Eady. Yeah. Well, I think Jalen's been to the line a lot this year. Not as much as Jameer Young. But no, your point stands. But it is, I just, for a six footer who's not getting into the lane a lot, it's it's crafty. And IU is a team that fouls quite a lot. You can interpret that however you want. Maybe they get a lot of calls that don't go their way. Maybe they just play really physically and, and hack at other teams. 
Uh, the point is, I could under I could foresee this being a very frustrating game for fans, whether or not it's a win or a loss. Every game in the Indiana fan base is frustrating because people get frustrated very easily. That's true. Yeah, the, I think the good news about this, I, I don't know about you guys, but my opinion on who I use worst Fowler is is Malik Renew. So it's good that he probably won't be matched up with well, Jameer Young. It's also uh, a fact he is. <laughs> By far has the most fouls in Indiana. <laughs> okay, that's, that's fair. And he has, I think he's the, has the eighth most playing time. The only player who averages less than him who plays regularly is Geronimo. Um, and he's, I think, I think Malik is like averaging like three and a half fouls a game. Do you guys want to hear something interesting about Malik Renew? I was reading an article from The Athletic this morning and it was just like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I was expecting you to say my article. Oh, which is what, a good the article. one of the three articles that we've I did. Written. I did a whole story on Malik Renault. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, I was reading the Athletic, and it was just like kind of like a listicle, different categories of like top five. Um, that was the one. If anyone mm-hmm. has seen on Twitter, um, Indiana is one of the most underrated teams according to the I athletic. do believe, yeah, that's what it was. But it also had Malik Renew as one of the best sixth men, which I thought was very interesting and very inaccurate, but I will leave it at that. I just do not agree with that at all. I mean, if he's coming to his own. Size of, yeah, the last two games and Bethune-Cookman. <laughs> and he played really well against Xavier. He, did. he was the third best player on the court. Yeah, after and, and that game. that's, you know, that's a team that's really good now. Um, and he did then what he has done the last couple games, which is, Realize you're playing pretty much behind Trace Jackson Davis and clean up when needed. Yeah. Um, he had four offensive boards against Ohio State, and I think most of those went for easy put-back second-chance points. Um, and that's what he needs to do is kind of like, oh, Trace is in trouble. Okay, here I am. You can't stop both of us. Uh, and if he continues to do that, then he's really going to improve a lot, and then that'll help him next year when he is essentially taking over for Trace Jackson Davis. I think it is very interesting to have seen that development and wonder, like, how much farther can it be extrapolated? Because he's playing against big bodies, you know, a lot of physicality. What's that going to look like against, you know, Maryland? What's that going to look like against Purdue? Because there's going to be a couple times in that game where he's going to be driving against Zach Eady. And it'll be interesting to see if he looks like the much more confident version of himself now or if he looks more like the orangutan on roller skates of the days of yore. That's not what I mean. I also do think he gets called for some of the, like, most ticky-tack fouls on the team. There's a lot of them where... Yeah, I maybe his feet aren't quite quick enough, but it, they don't look bad, and he'll get called from him and Jalen, who has get, gotten called twice, I think, for getting elbowed in the face. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you just can't do that on the court. That. You can't be getting the nose. And it was like it was that. really nice to see him get a call go his way when he elbows someone in the face against <laughs> Minnesota. Fair. It all swings back every once in a while. So, keeping with the big men theme, let's move on to Purdue. Um, obviously, this is the biggest thing for Indiana this season. You actually, we actually are getting a number one to come to Assembly Hall after we thought we would get one for UNC. First question, and this this probably kind of goes in play with the second one I have listed. Uh, can IU win? Uh, no. Good podcast, guys. Um, <laughs> you can follow me was, on Twitter. <laughs> I was just about to say, what are you going to do if we both say no? Like, I'm going to ask why not. Ask follow-up questions. I'm a journalist. I know how to do this. Okay. I shouldn't have tested you. You're right. The, my answer is yes, though. Um, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, even given last year, obviously Zach Eady was not nearly as 
good as he is right now, but also Jaden Ivey was there, who was a fantastic basketball player. But just like this is going to sound stupid to say, and it's not the deciding factor by any means, but I just remember like the energy around Bloomington was so, so positive. Like I remember going into that game last year thinking like there's no way that Indiana, Indiana can lose just because like it, it's just built up to be such an exciting moment. Like, And it's obviously going to be a lot harder this year. I think Zach Eady especially – now knows how to foul less, and that was a big issue for him last time in Bloomington. He was also shut down by Michael Durr. Don't you forget it. Well, yeah, that's true. Trace Jackson Davis was – he he had four points in that game. He played, what, less than ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think a big thing for both of them, both of the um, Big Ten co-players of the week, is going to be staying out of foul trouble. I do think you – you're absolutely right with the fouls and just depth in general. Um, you know, depth has been an issue for Indiana, obviously with race and X going down. But when you're playing a big team in the Big Ten, you know, seeing Jordan Geronimo in a walking boot, knowing that race Thompson. Uh, Evan, I know you thought that the knee brace was getting smaller. I'm not sure if I fully believe that. It still kind of looks like. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. It, it was just it was the, t- like the illusion of the TV that I thought that the brace had, yeah. had slimmed down. Man's still well. rocking the pool floaty. Around the MCL, <laughs> but it, hey, look, looked better against Ohio State. Could be in a really good shape for he, Purdue. He also did at the end of the Minnesota game, like landed directly on his knee, like the injured knee, and looked fine. I don't know if either of you noticed that. Like he went diving for a loose ball and just came out of it completely fine. So that's encouraging for me. But anyways, no modern medicine. Great. <laughs> this is a this is a pro modern medicine podcast. Right. Um, with regards to what I think you're going to get to next about how do they stop Zach Eady, that's a great question for one, uh, one for which I might not have an answer because nobody else has had an answer. Right. Rutgers? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Did they stop Zach Eady or did they just? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, they've know. got, they've got a pretty good big of their own too. And Cliff. Amore? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, granted, you could ask the same question about Trace Jackson Davis. A lot of these guys, it's not so much. Can you stop them? It's just can you pump the brakes enough that, you know, they don't reach their terminal velocity? I also think if and, – and the one shocking thing about Trace in last year's Purdue game was that he fouled so much because he is really not – he doesn't foul a lot. He's really good at staying out of foul trouble. Obviously, this year he fouled out of a game for the first time in his career. He only has like 26 fouls, I think, this season, half as many as Malik Renew and a lot more playing time. Um, and if he can stay out of foul trouble – He's quick enough that he might be a, do pretty well at moving around Edie. Um, Edie's not the quickest guy in the world, and against a lot quicker defenders who are granted not seven foot twelve, <laughs> Trace has been able to just kind of beat them with his 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 hip movement and with his feet. Um, and if if he can do that again against Edie, you might not need to stop Edie as much as okay. You've got two guys who have balanced each other out yeah. now who on the rest of the lineups are going to step out the most? Um, I think that – I think Jalen Hunchafino needs to have a good game again. And I'm not I'm not too familiar with Purdue's supporting cast other, other than Fletcher Lawyer. Um, I did watch Purdue beat up on Duke earlier this season during Feast Week, but I didn't really take much out of that game through 
the fog of my tears, but it was on my birthday. But <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, I think that I, I listen, you guys are going to laugh at me for saying this, but I really want to see a lot more of Point Trace because in all in all seriousness, he has been doing such a good job of surprising me by never turning the ball over when he brings it literally coast to coast sometimes it looks like he like carries every time but oh yeah that's fair but <laughs> maybe it's because he, he's just really tall and you're not used to seeing a guy that tall dribble but like yeah. it looks like he, he will like bounce it once and take three steps in between and he's like up here his and, like... strides are very long but i think if he you know grabs a defensive rebound takes the ball off the court and then does a little pick and roll action with Jalen Hojafino or drag screens, anything of that sort at the top of the key, then Edie is not, he's just not going to be in good set position. And I think that Trace can also jump higher than Zach Edie's vertical. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Edie's got what, a eight inch mm, head start? Seven? Yeah. But does Zach Edie do his feet leave the floor ever? <laughs> I, don't know. I haven't watched a lot of the tape. Yeah, I need to rewatch Rutgers. See what you, went also, right there. Do you think he just like shuffles everywhere? Like, man's got to have some <laughs> bounce. Half an inch, maybe half an inch of bounce. Edie somersaulting down the court. <laughs> to to talk about other guys who aren't Zach Edie, uh, I did go to the rival high school for Brandon Newman. He went to Valbo. I went to Portage. Um, and shout I shout out the region. Shout out the region. Hell yeah, I went to. Um, the sectionals, I think my junior year between Portage and Valpo, I think this is Brandon Newman's senior year, and I watched him dunk on one of my friends, and he hit the first one, and he missed the second one, but he dunked it so hard that it hit the rim and went back over half court. Um, so that was fun. So that's that's most of my Purdue knowledge um, is Brandon Newman can dunk hard. But I think that's like most guys at that level. Fair. Because at high school, they're better than everyone else. Mm. So Yeah, that's fair. So the last thing I wanted to to kind of talk about, um, and then we can do our little fun predictions like last week. No, no return of the Miller to- Miller Cop TikToks, but um, I just I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't either. Like, but I had I I I wanted it to come back, so I predicted it would. No, and I I appreciate you. Like I, I appreciate you trying to manifest it, but like Ohio State felt like it would have been the moment. Yeah. Now, granted, oh. you would have been throwing uh throwing some young ones to the fire because yeah. uh, notably two best players in that game, Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchifino. Uh, Jalen tummy ache can't come and trace might just be done doing media like uh, the SID JD Campbell just kind of came and was like no trace isn't doing it he does it a lot well he did it he did it at the Minnesota because at Michigan State he was like you guys get two questions and we're getting him out of here but he did do it at Minnesota so if, if he has like crazy games you're, you're gonna get okay. gonna get trace but um, before we get to that one of one of my favorite parts of being um, involved in student media is going to these really cool atmospheres at assembly hall and even some other places uh, and getting to cover games there also just because it's the team that in general, when we're not reporting that we support, you know, we're all, we attend Indiana. So if I'm not covering a game, I'll go as a fan. I've done it with the women's games a few (laughs) times. Um, And Purdue last year was probably the best environment I've seen at Assembly Hall. Obviously, it helps when you storm the court afterwards. I think this year may top it um, just because they're both ranked. Purdue is number one. It's going to be absolutely crazy. I think it is going to take approximately a minute 
for Jeremy Gray to come on the PA and give everyone a technical warning for chanting expletives at Zach Eady. Okay. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I just wanted to know what you guys were, were kind of expecting and, and thinking that the atmosphere is going to look like come Saturday. I fully agree with you. I do think uh, there's going to be some technical warnings. Also, if you're an adult and you're bringing a young child, give him earplugs. Give him something like... There were, no. there were some expletives at Ohio State. I wasn't really expecting In that one. In the GA line outside, so there, there's no way to avoid that. People hate Ohio here. People <laughs> hate Ohio. Yeah, Bradley, we do hate Ohio. Yeah, I know. Look, look, I'm the villain. I get it. But, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, your, your kid that spends most of their time, like, in lines on an iPad does not have, like, the appreciation for the game that they're willing to let their eardrums bleed for you chanting about Trace Jackson Davis dunking on Zach Eady. So... You know, be considerate. Other than that, uh, it's going to be rocking. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, you will both simultaneously lose and have your faith restored in uh, the Hoosier faithful. That's my take. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a crazy day. Rivalry weekend. Wish college game day was coming, but it's okay. Um, it's okay. I still... Really it doesn't sound like it's okay. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it does not sound like you feel like it's okay. Well, the location that it is going to is also another very important game close to my heart and soul. So I will accept it, but I wish that it was coming to Bloomington because that would be... Well, Dick Vitale is coming. That's going to be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to top UNC because Purdue is number one and... um. Was the last time Indiana beat number one at home the watch shot? I saw someone posted a a tweet about it today, like they're three and three at home against number one ranked teams. I think there might have been one more recent. I think it might have been a Michigan State team. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I, I cannot confirm that. Yeah. But. Well, either way, crazy things are bound to happen. It it it's gonna be a good game no matter what. So much debris is gonna fall from the ceiling, guys. Oh my gosh, no. They have to secure the infrastructure. Yeah, they're going to come out for the second half. Everyone's going to be wearing bike helmets. Like, this, is just, this is just what we're doing now. So to wrap this up, um, like last week, we had our fun little predictions. Um, anyone have a prediction this week they'd like to share? That is not just a score prediction, but an expectation of something wild to happen. Yes, I have a prediction. I don't – it's kind of more um, – in general for the rest of the season, but it very well could happen this week, probably at Maryland. But um, my prediction is that Trace Jackson Davis is going to have another triple-double because he, he's he been racking up assists. Like, he had, I think, six assists um, on Saturday against Ohio State. And we talked about this before, I think. He had eight against... Northwestern in that loss I think it's going to happen again because the points and the rebounds come so easily to him that I think he could very well do it again maybe maybe with blocks maybe with blocks he came he came close to I think I don't know if it would have been a triple double but at least a double double with blocks against Kansas Kansas, he had nine which was one short of setting a program a single game program record now he obviously has the all-time record as well so honestly probably not against Purdue, but I, I could see that happening where he gets at least a double-double with blocks. Yeah. And I feel like if you're getting 10 blocks, you're probably going to get 10 boards when you're dominating like the defensive side of things that much. But Bradley, 
Uh, you know, I hate to make speculations about personal matters, but, you know, before every game, uh, the SID sends us a little email saying, hey, here's who's not playing, here's why. And, you know, it's usually like a foot, an elbow, something like that, but sometimes it's something more specific. And one player on IU's roster has just really had a rough go with the old uh, immune system this year. So uh, my prediction is Logan Duncombe will miss the next game uh, because of polio. <laughs> Man, can I feel bad for him? Being sick sucks. I say this as someone who is probably sounding a little congested right now. But my man cannot catch a break. He is going to get something that no one has had to deal with since, like, the FDR administration. So polio, maybe tuberculosis, the Spanish influenza. Uh, but homeboy's coming down hard. Logan, get some chicken soup, my man. I thought you were going to say something about Miller Cop because the, he is the only original starter to not go down yet this year. So Yeah, you're right. Knock on wood. Sorry, Miller. If something nah, Miller's pounding now, you, so to be fair, me? Miller has appeared, I guess, has not appeared on some of the score sheets, if you want to count that. Oh, okay. He, no. hasn't, he hasn't missed a game, but theoretically... You has could he, argue he has, has he, missed some games. Has he pulled a Tony Snell, though? <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like 27 minutes and then zeros down the rest he of the He came close in, in at least one half early in the season. Yeah, but good defense. Uh, my prediction is there will be a angry IU fan uh, somewhere along Route 65 between West Lafayette and Purdue who put some jacks onto the road and pops the tire <laughs> of Purdue's bus on the way down somewhere near Lebanon. Um, and they will have to wait for an emergency pickup, um, which will leave them a little bit rattled before the game on Saturday. Uh, and then they come in and take their anger out in Indiana. Fair. <laughs> so, Too real. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting that, that email that the game will be delayed because Purdue's bus is stranded on I-65, which might be the worst place to be stranded. Um, having driven down I-65 every time I go home and back to Bloomington, it is so boring. There is nothing there. The, the most thing oh, except jacks, apparently. Except caltrops. The the most exciting uh, part of that drive is when I see the windmills uh, just pass Lafayette on the way so back home to the region. They are fun, especially at night when you get the the red flashing lights. It's kind of mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always kind of I have like, you know, it's it's a three hour drive. So I've got my like points of like reference uh, when, I, when I get off of onto 465 um, and out of kind of that last stretch of Bloomington or if I'm going back to Bloomington, getting on that last stretch. Then you've got that second p- middle period between 465 and the windmills and then the windmills to home, um, which when I'm driving home is often marked by, oh, I see Maryville. That's kind of the last stretch. I get back mm-hmm. onto 8094 and I'm right there. So. Um, shout out to the windmills. Um, anti shout out to I sixty five because it's awful and I can't stand driving on it. Make sure to come back next week when we slam four sixty five and praise solar energy. <laughs> I mean, this this is a podcast about Indiana basketball and like you know, in forty nine states, it's, it's just basketball. Um, also, in forty nine states, it's just a pothole <laughs> in Indiana. It's a it's a gateway <laughs> to the pits of Tartarus. <laughs> but. Uh, I think that'll do it for the podcast this week. Um, we've entered a pothole and, and landed on the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Five Banner Banter, the IDS 
2022-23 men's basketball podcast. I have been Evan Gerke with plenty of vitriol for the potholes of Indiana alongside Emma Pollitz and Bradley O'Hulin. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.